radiant heating and water heaters. Skirfield Solar and Heating can be reached at 825-0759 or at skirfieldsolarandheating.com. It's 7 o'clock. Thursday Night Talk starts right now. And welcome to Thursday Night Talk here on KHSU. Eric Kirk is our host tonight. As always, we welcome your contributions. Give us a call at 826-4805 or at 800-640-5911. And you can also text us at 492-KHSU. Thank you, Michael. Um, Okay, my name is Eric Kirk. This is Thursday Night Talk. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about something I haven't really been able to talk about on the radio because of the rules. If you're involved in a political campaign, we're not supposed to use our shows for it, which I think is a pretty good rule. But now that the campaign is over, we can talk about it. I have in the studio with me Liz Phillips, and I have on the phone uh, Renee Sacedo. They are both um, work with Centro del Pueblo, and uh, which was the organization that conceived of um, you know making Humboldt County a sanctuary county, which so long ago seems almost crazy. Well, you know <laughs> how how's a county like Humboldt County with its electorate and and um, and with its history going to vote uh, for a sanctuary measure, especially one that actually goes beyond the statewide um, SB fifty four. But we had a campaign. We worked hard to get it on the ballot, uh, to, you know, collecting signatures. And then, um, you know, we had a bit of an adventure um, during the campaign, getting elected. We had to respond to some things that were put out. It seemed like most of the opposition actually came from the county itself. <laughs> but um, And we'll talk a little bit about that. But I'd like each of you to introduce yourselves. Renee, are you on the line? Yes, I sure am. Hi, Eric and Lizzie. Hi, and why don't you uh, introduce yourself and then talk a little bit about what Centro del Pueblo is and what you do. Sure. Um, My name is Renee Saucedo, and I'm a volunteer organizer with uh, Centro del Pueblo. Centro del Pueblo has uh, existed here in Humboldt County for the past uh, approximately three years. We're an all-volunteer grassroots organization that works to empower uh, the local uh, indigenous Latinx immigrant community um, through a variety of strategies, including advocacy, community organizing, and cultural work. And so um, a couple of years ago, Eric, as you both know, uh, Centro del Pueblo was busy... Uh, holding community meetings all over the county. And um, what we kept hearing from undocumented families was that their priority issue was um, that they uh, wanted resolved here in the county was the fact that they felt terrorized, Mm -hmm. that they would be forcibly separated from their families by being detained and possibly deported by immigration. And what they what they told us and what they had discussions around amongst themselves was the fact that they were still experiencing racial profiling from local law enforcement in the county and um, that they were being stopped and harassed even because uh, of their brown skin. And so many of them were terrified to even leave the house for fear that local law enforcement could report them to immigration and then ultimately they'd be separated from their families. 
So that's when um, Centro del Pueblo uh, decided um, with our community members to prioritize passing a sanctuary law which would prohibit the collaboration between local county officials and um, federal ICE agents. And that's, and that's how it started. All right. And Lizzie, you want to introduce yourself and your involvement with uh, Centro del Pueblo? Yeah, totally. Hi, everyone. I'm Lizzie Phillips. Uh, I I started organizing with Centro del Pueblo a little bit later. Renee was talking about the early stages of the open forums, talking with the community about what they need. And I came in after it was thought that, yes, we need this and we're going to get the petitions out. And I have a past relationship with a couple of different people who organize on the steering committee and the leadership committee. And they just asked me, you know, would you like to be a part of this? And honestly, I was so like my heart lit up. I was like, thank you so much for asking me, because honestly, Humboldt County needs this so much. And we just need to make this like a nationwide thing. But hey, I'm like getting ahead of myself a little bit. But I was so happy that they uh, brought me in to the organizing efforts of it, because it was just been a whirlwind. And it's been amazing. Now, you know, when you started, you weren't thinking of trying to get it passed as a as a measure. You approached the Board of Supervisors, right? Mm. That's right. Um, after uh, we held, uh, you know, a, a series of community gatherings and heard from the community what their um, priority issues were, we um, held several meetings with county officials, board of supervisor members, the sheriff, and we said, look, you know, we think that we should have a sanctuary law or a sanctuary ordinance here in Humboldt in the same way that other cities and counties across the country mm-hmm. have. And this way, people here in Humboldt don't, don't have to live terrified of, you know, um, getting in their cars or terrified because of the national rhetoric, because I did forget to mention that, that also mm-hmm. people were, you know, suffering around uh, Donald Trump's um, election and how he was using anti-immigrant uh, rhetoric and policies to um, further build his base. And so people felt under siege, they felt under attack, and they said, you know, let's ask our local government to see if we could pass a sanctuary law, not that, not not something that could prohibit ICE from coming in altogether, because as you know, unfortunately, we can't do that. But a law, as other jurisdictions had, that would prohibit um, minimally county officials from using its resources to assist ICE in detaining uh, family members. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, as you, we, we can't override federal law. It has its jurisdiction. But um, you, you did approach uh, the uh, Board of Supervisors. That's where you and I met. Um, I happened That's to be, right. be there for other other um, uh, business. And and uh, I, I kind of got roped in. You asked me to, you know, since I was an attorney to to if I could come up with a draft and so we you know, I looked at other other um, jurisdictions you had some help um, from uh, some people down south um, and um, and you know we we kind of put this together 
And as I was looking around, because I was figuring, okay, if, 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 as it was becoming obvious that the board and and the um, Human Rights Commission weren't going to really respond to us, they were kind of shining us on it, uh, after a while, and we maybe even let it go a little too long that way. Uh, when As we started to look into whether or not we were going to conduct a campaign, I wanted to see, all right, how did other campaigns go? And I started to search, and I couldn't find one. Yeah. I, I haven't, uh, I, I, to my knowledge, there is no other sanctuary. There are about somewhere between three and 400 sanctuary measures, local and statewide. They all are different. Some are more extensive than others. But I haven't found a single evidence of a single one that was passed by a ballot measure. And that, that sends a different kind of message than just even having a board do it for you. Oh, very much so. Honestly, the fact that you said you met Renee uh, while she was at the Board of Supervisors and then I met Renee uh, and the rest of the group just randomly at work. And this is honestly a show of the community coming together Mm -hmm. and making real changes, you know, instead of having it be top down change where powers to be voted in. We we did it. Grassroots people. We all put this together and got this passed. And I think that is extremely influential for the rest of the nation to look at what we did here in Humboldt County and be like, wow, we can do this, too. Yeah, no. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, it was the first time I even brought it up. I, even progressive people were saying, you, you really think you can pass something like that here? Maybe start with something a little easier, right? <laughs> you know, and uh, and but I, you know, I think part of the reason that we were successful is I don't think they really saw us coming. Mm. I don't think they took us that seriously at first. Yeah. <laughs> and then later they started to pull pull things, but they didn't never really pull together a counter campaign. There was no no one on Measure K campaign per se. There was just, uh, you know, the county people trying to come up with ways, well, it's going to be too expensive. And, you know, we mm-hmm. ha- had a little bit of that. Uh, that there was, there was a lot of random stuff, but I... I don't think the next time we try to pass something, I, I don't think we can expect that. I think we will. <laughs> they're going to know. <laughs> they're going to know, and they're going to know that the the county has changed. Mm-hmm. It's it, you know, and that's that's the other thing. You've got the issue, and 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 um, hopefully immigrants feel a little bit better that um, you know that at least fifty five percent of the community at least cares about them and wants them here Mm. you know we have a lot of problems that we have to solve and uh but it it does it does send a a message that way and um and and on the other side there's some people that are freaking out about it (laughs) well i really do want to emphasize what lizzie was saying earlier you know this campaign truly was a grassroots campaign it was everyday people um, you know, these amazing women. It's amazing how this campaign was led by these, you know, these women, women of color, um, with, um, you know, your help, Eric, was just indispensable. Um, when uh, we met up at that supervisor's meeting and and we asked you to write the, the uh, initiative for us and you agreed right away, it really was a labor of love. I can't describe it any other way. Um, you know, I think that folks understood that this is what the community wanted. There was a lot of fear in the immigrant community. We have to highlight that. And yeah. and it's very, you know, it's reasonable that people would feel a lot of fear because of the anti-immigrant sentiment happening right now. And there's a lot at risk. 
right? Being forcibly separated from your family. But the the surge the, the of students um, from HSU, uh, you know, the Metro Group, um, uh, Centro del Pueblo with uh, other organizations like the Green Party. And mm-hmm. um, it was, it really was a grassroots collaboration and everyone uh, was doing it uh, for free and as a labor of love in the name of human rights. And I think that was a big reason why we won, that, that mm-hmm. it was perceived as such and, and it was very heartfelt. Um, and I can, I can share uh, as well that, you know, members of the um, indigenous Latinx immigrant community uh, ever since the initiative passed, it's been a mixture of people uh, expressing shock, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it, that we were able to pass it, uh, and people feeling extremely grateful mm-hmm. that volunteers, you know, uh, sacrificed and took the time to pass the initiative in the name of people who perhaps, for different reasons, felt like they couldn't get involved. Mm-hmm. So. It was, it was really, I will never forget this experience, um, the passage of, of our Humboldt County Sanctuary Law. And I brag about it with my friends, you know, in the Bay Area and other places. I, I say, well, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure we're the first sanctuary law that passed by the voters. And, and thanks to Eric Kirk, we're the strongest uh, sanctuary law. So, um, so there, so top that one. You know, I think that we've become even a model for other cities and counties um, as far as what is possible. Even when elected officials don't have the courage to do the right thing, that is when we as the people have to take it upon ourselves to do what's right and and that's what we did and like you know with awesome women like lizzie and um other folks who um spent hours and hours working on this you know we won and it's possible Mm -hmm. for our movements to win and and this is a proof of that you you know who i also want to thank uh for you know really helping me with the text was your friend I, i hope i get the name right grizel is her name um, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's uh, works for the um, Immigration uh, Legal Resource Center attorney. Um, I actually attended a workshop she led, and she's a, a powerhouse. And she actually was was one who convinced me. Said, "Look, you're, if you're going to." have to actually make this bring this before the voters then you know don't compromise like you're going to bring it like you're trying to get across the board if you're trying to get across the board then you got to kind of go back and forth but if they're forcing you to bring it to to the voters just get what you want why have any detainers why have any exceptions you know for for criminal and the rest it, 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 why conflate the issues at all and she was right <laughs> so, um, and you know i figured okay that might be used against us it was um but uh but you know then again we have also had to give people a reason we already have sb54 if we're just passing something that's just like sb54 then it's why bother mm-hmm. but we uh we, we went the full one and we may be the only one or besides santa clara santa clara county has one that has no detainers and uh whatsoever and um i think san francisco is pretty close but and i use a lot of the wording from san francisco but it was good but the other thing i wanted to kind of give a, a shout out to is that first day i was in in that hearing i was 
I decided just to speak up. I decided to join and, and to give that. And then all of a sudden, granted, they know me, the people on the board, the supervisors, mm. but they started addressing me all of a sudden like I was the leader of the movement. The white guy with the suit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and there was there were Renee and a couple of uh, the student activists, I think, and then uh, I think about four or five gray-haired women. I think they don't take the the gray-haired women seriously. I learned in this campaign, you better take the gray-haired women <laughs> seriously. They are a powerhouse. Yeah. I mean, they um, you know they they help and and um, you know and it's it, so I figure this is an opportunity to this was an opportunity not just to pass this initiative but to really send a message you know that Humboldt County is going to change one way or another people mm-hmm. are going to move here it's a beautiful place everybody has the right to live here and we've got all these problems um, you know the posters outside the studio about Josiah Lawson and the students mm-hmm. that are being invited here not really being prepared uh, for the community and the community not really being prepared for them and, mm-hmm. and 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 a lot that you know could have happened with a little bit of you know forethought and and introductions and you know uh, 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 just just we have a, a lot of problems and then we have problem the, the issues that we've had for centuries um, here at least a century and a half with you know very large native community here mm-hmm. that doesn't even you know that that is almost invisible to a lot of people mm-hmm. and um and so you know this was this was a rainbow coalition this was there were there was activism from all of the different uh di- different uh, different groups and it, it it represents that you know this is uh, well, as as Mike Jones said after he was uh, upset with the results, he's kind of a conservative activist in Eureka, and he wasn't happy with the results there, which was a progressive blowout. Um, it's not your father's Eureka, you know, and uh, mm. yeah, I think it's not your father's Humboldt County necessarily either. But don't be afraid of it, That's you know. Exactly it's, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not you know it's not it, it, it things are always changing. And this is a change for the better. And I, I so I, you know, we we try. You know, we can easily be grandiose about what what we've done, but um, but it, it, it's a step. It's a cornerstone on which to build a whole bunch of stuff. That's exactly it. And I think why we were so successful is because what you were saying of we needed to just write this measure, this ballot measure, to how we needed it to be for how mm-hmm. for for the people in this community. And I think that's what people saw. And that's, I think that's why it passed is we were completely authentic and vulnerable and real. And we shared stories that I think most people haven't heard because it's easy to just turn off the TV, not read that article. But when you see people come to you with real faces and real stories telling you what has been happening, it's hard to ignore that. And you feel what they're going through. And then you decide, okay, this is the make it or break it. This is what we're going to do. And I think that's what the county decided to do. They felt the authenticity and everyone coming together. And they decided, you know what? We're going to value these people in a way that we haven't. It might not be our father's Eureka or Humboldt County Mm. or whatever, but we people don't just give you something so you can just like put it on the counter, you know, so you should just not use it. They, they give you something so you can build onto it. You know, it's called a legacy. Mm -hmm. Your father's Eureka has become a legacy. We're changing it into something better. And I think that's exactly why we got passed, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I, I couldn't agree with Lizzie more and that authenticity happened. People were inspired by that authenticity Mm in our campaign because 
because it was led by the people who were impacted, exactly. the stakeholders, um, you know, people of color, immigrants, sons and daughters of immigrants, um, and the allyship that was shown was was very inspiring. So, it, you know, it's no, it's it's uh, no wonder that the sanctuary initiative passed. The uh, the statue was voted to be removed. Two to one. Because <laughs> and and other things uh, have happened this year, and I think that you know underrepresented communities, indigenous people, and people of color, and the LGBTQ community, um, and the homeless, etc., are are making decisions for themselves and the good allies are saying tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it mm. and that's how these campaigns won um, and I think that we can learn from what happened this year in, in as far as following the leadership of indigenous people and people of color and and other oppressed communities um, you know who who have the talent and the experience and the history to be able to win these political battles. Um, I'm just so proud of all of us um, for coming together, you know, following indigenous leadership and saying, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to do it authentically and we're going to, we're in this to win. And, um, yeah, I'll just I'll I'll never forget I'll never forget this campaign. Mm -hmm. And Humboldt County, I'm proud to say, has the best sanctuary law, I believe, in the country. Mm -hmm. And it's because people believed. Mm -hmm. You're listening to KHSU. This is Thursday Night Talk. My name is Eric Kirk. Uh, my guests tonight are Elizabeth Phillips here, Lizzie Phillips in the studio, Renee Saucedo by phone. We are discussing uh, the Measure K-1, which collected just over 55% of the vote, um, which is considered a landslide in, in, in elections. It's, uh, you know, a, a very big, convincing victory. It was not close. Um, it was scary early on in the evening. We were <laughs> yeah, all kind of nervous about it, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> but the way the dynamics go, I also think there's sort of, you know, there's always a, a sad side to the things. I think one of the things that probably helped us was the families who are being terrorized on the border. Mm. I, I think that, you know, that has affected so many people. And there are a lot of people who can harden up and just say, well, they deserve it. They shouldn't be coming here, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then there are other people who, you know, maybe think, well, gosh, we have to enforce our laws, blah, blah, blah. But then that becomes too much if they're people of conscience, even, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I, you know, and I, I, I think that the timing of it and uh, as, you know, you all know, we actually slipped a little bit of an extra thing into the art sanctuary initiative that addresses the separation of parents very simple thing just simply states that if the parents are uh to be arrested for deportation and or deported the, their choices will be the priority uh rather than you know whatever the social workers decide and we, we can get into that and i think that that resonated and then all of a sudden you know, a couple months later separation of families was in the news and i think that really 
resonated with a lot of people and that's you know that's the sad side is i would rather though all of those families not have been traumatized mm-hmm. and those kids permanently traumatized than have this you know measure k pass it's really bittersweet that way but but it was something i think that um that made the difference i think we had a real good chance of winning at 51 52 percent i think when that happened i think there are just a lot of people who are you know of of, of people of faith or or otherwise who say you know i we we i cannot vote in a way that is even interpreted as supporting that mm-hmm. well i mean I think the world works in mysterious ways. Honestly, um, we saw Trump come to power and he was using the rhetoric of just hatred and vitriol towards people who didn't deserve that. And we saw it at the time that we were trying to pass Measure K, um, the separations of families, the borders. And I think in the past, he got to use that for his success and we didn't use any of that. I think people... I think our politics is changing now. It's not a, a game people are playing anymore. It's it's a moral thing. Mm-hmm. It's an ethics question. Are you going to ethically feel right or morally feel right voting no the, on Measure K or to separate families? I don't mm-hmm. think people could live with themselves. And I think that's where we're going into. That's why pol- our <laughs> politics is progressing in such a influential in in honestly in my my opinion magical way because now people are coming together and being like you know what my heart can't live with this anymore like renee said earlier love pushed this through and i think that's what we need in our politics that's what we need in our policy is people writing stuff with love in it with care for everyone let me uh, really quickly invite uh callers if anybody listening out there would like to join the discussion we're discussing measure k and the and and the fact that humboldt county is now a Sanctuary County. Phone number is 826-4805 or 1-800-640-5911. That's 826-4805 or 800-640-5911. You can always go to the website if you didn't get those numbers. And if you are a little shy and don't want to actually uh, come on beyond live, you can text in a question or comment uh, at 492-KHSU. That's 492 492- KHSU. Um, yeah, I I also know that there are some activists in Mendocino County who were li- watching us. Oh yeah, and uh, and are are thinking about it themselves. So this is something that can spread. Well, that's exactly. I, oh no, you go, Renee. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to um, add to what you were saying before, as far as the national you know, reality impacting what happened here at the county level. And I think you're right. I think that it may, it forced people even more to view the issue of immigrant rights from a human rights lens Mm. rather than a criminal lens, Mm -hmm. which is how our opponents want to characterize it, right? Mm. Um, uh, People uh, walking from Central America to the U.S., border is characterized as a criminal and even a military issue mm-hmm. rather than a, a human rights one. And so, you know, seeing babies being torn away from their mothers and fathers, people were forced to acknowledge that um, human beings should not be treated like this mm-hmm. and that immigration status is an arbitrary way that we are criminalizing an entire community for the benefit of a few. Uh, A benefit for people like Donald Trump, who wishes to uh, scare his base 
into um, support for him. So um, I think that I think it's good that people made the connection. You know, I think yeah. it's good that that people saw the babies uh, incarcerated and said, we don't want to even get close to anything like that happening in our county. And we want to uh, send a strong message to the rest of the country that uh, we will not tolerate uh, practices like this. So, yeah, it's it was it was a. it was meant to be. It was a good election locally, and 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 actually, you know, I think nationally, I, th- I I'm hoping that the message is taken that when when the president militarized the border, you know, and and really tried to make a big deal about it and went out on that issue over and over again. I think it backfired. I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping that's the the take from this. And I also saw some very. I, I, you know, maybe some of the local conservatives will learn that the tactics that Trump used nationally to win, you know, the fear, the anger, the mm-hmm. the, the the horror at the at the changes at the needle exchange, you know, because it saves lives, and you know, or at, at bike lanes or whatever it was mm-hmm. that they were really angry about. I think backfired in Eureka. I think I think you, 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 Humboldt County actually did pretty well. I didn't agree with everything that Humboldt County did. You know, there was a couple things, but I think Humboldt County did pretty well this time of sending a message. We don't want the dystopian politics that Eureka sent that message. Um, the um, the you know, Arcata overwhelmingly, I mean, uh, said, you know, it's 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 time that whatever we have at the center of the plaza reflect our current mm-hmm. values, regardless mm-hmm. of what this statue might have meant in the past or what the intentions were. It doesn't reflect our current values, and that was. And one, go ahead, go ahead, Renee. Oh well, I was just going to add, Eric, to what you're saying. One of the most, I think exciting things that came out of this campaign and the other ones that were happening simultaneously is the relationships that were created, right? Mm -hmm. The collaborations, the coalitions. So, you know, we in the indigenous Latinx community felt very much supported by our white allies and um, it gave us an opportunity to create deeper relationships in the local indigenous communities mm-hmm. within the sovereign nations, the Wiat tribe, um, uh, the Southern Generation Fund mm. for the rights of indigenous people. You know, now we are um, having more and more meetings around how do we further the human rights of indigenous people here locally together, whether it be, you know, an electoral campaign such as these or um, or or using other strategies. So I'm I'm very excited. I, I see um, measure the Measure K campaign and the other campaigns that happened this year as a starting point for us to um, further organize and further empower our communities to continue to take the lead and to continue to stand for what's right and to continue to pass policies and practices that are based on human rights and not fear and um, and criminalization. Okay, Michael, you had a comment uh, from a caller? Yeah, just a brief comment who um, the listener wanted to touch briefly on about how Elizabeth and Renee were talking about how politics is becoming a moral issue. He said he wanted to encourage people to listen to the president of Mexico, who uh, basically has a similar message talking about politics and in the moral sense. I don't have a whole uh, lot of other context in that, but he just wanted to uh, share that. 
Okay. Oh, yeah, there is a new Mexican president just about a week old, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of hope uh, um, surrounding this new president, too. Mm-hmm. And um, and we'll see if, if um, his policies and practices uh, in Mexico will lead to more Mexicans um, feeling safe, um, to stay home with their loved ones rather than migrating. Um, if, you know, he passes um, some uh, policies to relieve poverty in Mexico. So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm as hopeful as others. Yeah. Um, because, you know, most people who migrate to the U.S., they don't want to come here, leave their families, leave their homelands. Why, why would a mother... Uh, leave her child and or her parents behind, mm-hmm. risk her life to cross the U.S.-Mexico border to live here and be treated like an animal at the workplace uh, and by, um, you know, the racism in this country. Mm-hmm. People don't want to come here. People want to stay home. But they're forced to be uprooted because of policies that are, you know, encouraged and, and pushed by by the U.S. That's so exactly I think it. we have to look at immigrant rights in, in, in the larger context and and um, and be supportive of um, things that are happening in places like Latin America, where the president claims that he's going to be on the side of the poor and, and the indigenous folks. So we'll see what happens. I think that if his promises come true, we will have less people who are risking death and are risking the safety of their children just to survive. Let's hope. I mean, we, we've we certainly, you know, you, you and I have been active long enough to know that, you know, we run into disappointments sometimes, but we'll see. We'll, you know, we'll see what mm. what actually happens. Um, I, you know, also mentioning that, that right now the biggest migrations are coming from Central America and tr- trying to have people understand that you know, a lot of reasons they're coming up are because of wars that we stoked up for years, brutal mm-hmm. civil Because of wars. our foreign policy, a lot of people right? have to leave the areas that they're in, whether it's because of droughts we've caused, poisoning of water or farmlands or what have you. And I think I would like to thank that caller for bringing it to an inter- international lens because mm-hmm. we can... If we listen to international communities, people who are indigenous and leading their communities into change, we can see the hope and the love that we need to get to because I mean just take for right now like the UN Climate Summit we have people from all over saying like hey we need to protect our water hey we need to protect our our land and our people in a different way than what we've done now these policies from the past they're obsolete they're not getting us anywhere and if we keep moving forward and listening to the people who are on the ground the people who are on the front lines that's the real policy that's the inclusive policy we've been trying to get at and I think that's why it's so influential to see measures Okay, get past. All right, you're listening to KHSU. This is Thursday Night Talk. My name is Eric Kirk. Lizzie uh, Phillips and um, Renee Sosedo are, are with me. We are discussing Measure K tonight um, the, the, and the fact that Humboldt County is now a sanctuary county, what it means. Um, the, the phone number, if you want to join the conversation, is 826-4805 or 1-800-640-5911 if you're out of the area. That's 826-4805 if you're local or 1-800-640-5911, hippie patriot from Eureka, you're on the air. Are you there? 
we seem to have lost Hippie Patriot. Uh, if you want to call back at 826-4805, um, unless you're on there and we'll get through. But um, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> certainly we've got time to, to hear from you. We'll uh, work on that. Um, yeah, I, you know, the, the, a lot of us, oh, we got him back. Okay, go ahead. Oh, hi there. Uh, this is uh, Hippie Patriot. Yes, it's a pseudonym, but I thought <clears throat> it's important to protect my uh, job. And mm-hmm. In any case, I just wanted to uh, give a message to uh, patriots and people who are interested in that kind of thing about uh, two words, uh, recognition and nullification. <clears throat> recognition is to respect your country, to uphold the supreme law of the land, the oath our oath to the Constitution of the United States of America, even though California doesn't really have a take the oath. And in Espanol, la patria no es de venta. Nullification is to deny and break the oath, to lie and use manipulative language such as immigrants when we're really talking about illegal border crossers, um, to not deny and throw away the true history of America, the land of the free, home of the brave, Assimilation to America means respecting of that law and the supremacy clause, which is that the oath of the United States Constitution uh, is the supreme law of the land. So that's that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. It's really well, interesting. Oh, you my know, pleasure. Um, it's, it's so easy. So that, that's, that, that's all I'm going to have to say. I, I don't speak to oath breakers, so I just wanted to give that message to any potential patriots out there. Thank you for all your time. Thank you so much. You're, um, you're welcome. Yeah. Good night. Good night. Goodbye. Um, just patriots. Interesting, because I mean, me working on this organization, I had a lot of conversations with my father, who's a Marine, and I'm wondering if that man, who is a patriot hippie, has you know served our country in an aspect where he's passed policies or done things that pr- to protect the people of the area, you know? And it's just so interesting to me to say that we are the land of the free, but we can't allow people to be free. I'm so confused. <laughs> and, and history, we have, the, the United States has a long history of breaking laws that are unjust. Mm-hmm. That's it, it, you know, going back to the beginning. I mean, even before the country it was founded, there, you know, there, was, there was civil disobedience. It is part of the tradition because it's part of the progressive movement of the world. And, and that's you know, how, how it is. One of the things is, is that, yes, the immigration laws are laws that are written so was the Jim were the Jim Crow mm-hmm. laws slavery um, know, apartheid um, law yeah I mean you know, there are plenty of laws out there that that um, that are, you know are broken and when laws run so fundamentally against human nature it is human nature to wander even even you know if, if it's there into into the idea that people should not be allowed to live in a certain place I mean I'd like to see a day where where the border between Mexico and the United States and similar borders, it, it, it's no harder for you to get across there than it is for us to cross into Nevada or um, or Oregon. It should not be that hard. And, um, you know, so, um, and patriotism, well, there's a lot of different concepts of patriotism. There's blind loyalty to, to the law, and then there's patriotism, which is, you know, the love of, of culture. Um, and, um, you know, lastly, the supremacy clause there's nothing about sanctuary that violates the supremacy clause of the federal government the federal the local jurisdictions can 
cannot interfere with federal law, but they also are not obligated to dedicate its resources to passing it. This is a principle that goes way back to resistance to the fugitive slave law of the 19th century um, when local um, jurisdictions refused to cooperate, opened up their jail cells to, you know, let federal marshals bring escaped slaves in uh, that they had captured. And um, it's a tradition that goes way back. I mean, we've got a lot of horror in this country, but civil disobedience is is a tradition of this country mm-hmm. that that we should be proud of. That we've got figures, you know, from the American Revolution, Thomas Paine, um, and uh, all the way up to um, the you know um, the the uh, resistance to slavery, the Underground Railroad. Didn't our forefathers immigrate here? Um, well, some of them, some of them <laughs> like, had to. Isn't that a, right? right? That's yeah. our history, right? And we didn't really <laughs> okay. have. There, there really weren't a lot of laws about immigration until the latter part of the 19th century. The first time we actually put any type of real restrictions was the Chinese Exclusion Act, mm. and that was aimed at. Uh, you know, a, a group, uh, an ethnic group of of people, and uh, it wasn't criminalized. There was no criminal uh, violations of for crossing until 1929, and that was, you know, wrapped up in anti-communism, a lot of other stuff, too. So, yeah, be patriotic, but really have an idea of what you're talking about when you're saying patriotism. And, and I just think it's sad that, you know, here we are, on your show, Eric, talking about basic human rights, right? Mm-hmm. Mothers not being terrified um, to take their kids to school or to the doctors because because they fear that they will be forcibly separated from their children. We're talking about families who walked from, you know, Honduras to the U.S.-Mexico border um, uh, out of desperation. Uh, because of the violence and, and the poverty, and um, and so that's on the one hand, you know, we're trying to we're trying to uh, pursue an agenda of basic human rights, and 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 then on the other side, we have this recurring pattern in. U.S. history where people justify violations of human rights, like terrible things, like, you know, genocide and slavery and um, torture and exploitation by saying, well, they're just a bunch of criminals. And what part of illegal don't you understand? Mm. Um, I think that people need to step up and learn history and not believe the hyper brainwashing that happens in this country. And uh, because then if, if they would do that, they would see that historically entire communities have been criminalized. Mm-hmm. Indigenous people have been criminalized. Uh, Asian people have been criminalized. Uh, black people have been criminalized and there have been punitive practices implemented and institutionalized against all our communities because of this justification. They're just criminals. In other words, they're not even human. Mm. 
So why are you even having this discussion? Well, you know what, sir? With all due respect, people like us are fighting against what you call patriotism. Mm-hmm. Because if patriotism is hiding behind this justification of dehumanization, I want nothing to do with it. I want exactly. to stand for human rights, for decent and dignified treatment, for all people to be able to flourish in peace. Mm-hmm. And if that makes me non, not patriotic, then, then so be it. Okay. Uh, we have Anna Ray on the line. You're on the air. Hi, yes. I I just wanted to uh, say that I moved here 10 years ago um, from Chicago. I lived in the city for 17 years, and uh, I'm an artist, so I had to live in low-income neighborhoods. And if you know Chicago, uh, the neighborhoods are very ethnically concentrated or divided. And I came to realize that the neighborhoods that had Mexican immigrants um, that I lived in were the safest neighborhoods I lived in. I mean, they just felt safer. And mm-hmm. um, I do believe the statistics that say that um, Mexican immigrant communities have a lower crime rate than uh, other neighborhoods. And um, I am just really grateful for that experience and I can't totally blame people who have never lived amongst Mexican immigrants uh, for not understanding that but since I've been there I just want to say to those people that those were the safest neighborhoods that I lived in and I was horrified when candidate Trump uh, was slandering Mexican immigrants saying they were uh, rapists and criminals because that totally flew in the face of my experience and yeah. I just and, it, and more, more recently, he threw in that the caravan that they were Middle Eastern terrorists. I, mean, I don't even know where he got that from, and yeah. uh, didn't even make sense. Just whatever is going to stoke up the fear, he's just going to say it, whether he's got evidence or not. Mm-hmm. And um, and that is that is where we're at right now. That that is what defines sort of the national discourse and. That's it, we're trying it, to fight. It, it breaks it breaks my heart to think of um, people that I knew in Chicago being terrorized mm-hmm. um, daily by uh, by by ICE. I, I just it's horrifying to me, and I'm so proud of this community for passing Measure K. I, I I'm really happy and proud to live here for that reason. Heck yeah! Thank you. You're welcome. Right. Thank you. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, think about if you're t- if you feel like you're being terrorized, if you feel like you're not safe enough to leave your house. Like Renee was saying, take your kids to school or to the doctor. If something happens, if you are at home because you don't feel like you can leave and you see someone burglarize someone else's house, you're not going to feel safe enough to call the police and say, hey, I just saw this happen. Okay, now that we've passed Measure K, that's what we're tra- That's what this uh, caller was just talking about, the safety aspect. Because now people can feel like they 
they're human beings and they have a right to tell people if something went wrong or to take their kids to school or to the doctor. It's going to improve the quality of our community. And I think that's what we're going to see eventually. And what we're seeing right now is that people just feel safer here. And, and there are studies that show that in sanctuary counties, there is more cooperation mm-hmm. with, with the police. You know, the, one of our biggest uh, opponents was, was the sheriff. Yeah. And, uh, and hopefully he will realize after a while that we've actually made his job easier for him yeah. in the long run. Hopefully he'll, he'll realize that, um, uh, or his predecessor, uh, pardon me, his successor. Um, you know, it, it, um, because yeah, if if you don't feel part of the community, you're not going to trust it. And he says, "Well, you know, trust me. They should trust me. You should tell them to <laughs> to trust me." It's like you know, I, they might trust you. Even you might even be able to convince them of that. But every deputy, every person. If there's a law behind it, they're more likely to say, okay, well, we've, we've got a law that says that they're supposed to act this way. They still are going to be nervous about it, but maybe just a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering, though, like if he didn't help us because of the funding that they might get from the federal government if we don't, if we uh, cooperate with ICE and what have you. I mean, they just bought like a an MCAT or something, like some gigantic tank vehicle for, for Eureka. And I'm wondering... Was he not supporting us because of the funds, because of money? Um, we actually, it's, it may be the case. We can, they can't put funds in jeopardy and condition on that. The president has tried that. It's been struck mm, down okay. um, so far. And and I suspect that that will be the case on, on the basis that spending power rests with Congress. He can't just write an executive order that says don't give them money. Congress would have to do that. Um, they would have to actually pass a law that says that. And then, even then, there might be legal problems with it if there, if certain communities are targeted mm. and that violates civil rights laws. But it's... Um, but the um, but the the loss of money uh, uh, to the community was a canard. Trump has tried it; it's gone down. And in, and in fact, one judge has even ruled that the um, that the federal statute that um, that makes it so that we can't actually prevent officers from calling. There is an actual federal law that says we can pass our sanctuary laws about how our money is spent, but we cannot pass a law that says that prohibits um, officials from contacting ICE. Uh, One judge in San Francisco has actually said that's a 10th Amendment violation, 10th Amendment being states' rights to Mm -hmm. decide what our police conduct is. Uh, We'll see if it lasts. Um, You know, that that might be struck down as it gets closer or might even be ignored because they didn't need to reach that conclusion. It's Mm -hmm. dicta. Um, you know, and he, because um, he also ruled that they were in compliance with federal law, but he also commented in there that's the first time a judge has done that. And uh, that's a big step. This was just a few months ago. And um, so, yeah, the money thing is, it's not going to cost Humboldt County any money. And that, that fight is already being fought statewide because mm-hmm. he tried to deprive money to the larger cities and to, um, to California. And that's not going to survive. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an issue, and I, at this point, I don't think the House is going to rewrite the laws to uh, to go against sanctuary. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. No, not with what the House looks like right now. No. <laughs> no. That wouldn't be very popular. Renee, any thoughts? Uh, no. I think you, you summarized it well. That was one of the arguments that 
uh, people made during the campaign, right, that if we passed our sanctuary law that the federal government would um, not give Humboldt County some uh, federal funds. Um, and um, the, yeah. the Trump administration has lost on that issue in court. Everywhere, yeah. Yeah, everywhere. And mm. so we don't, you know, it's not, it's not a top concern at this point. Conservatives, you know, they, they have their ideology, but they do believe in the Tenth Amendment states' rights. Usually mm. we're on the other side of that. We're trying to get the federal government to intervene and for civil rights or environmental mm. stuff. But, uh, but in this case, you know, they, don't, they do not want to weaken the Tenth Amendment, which states that, you know, where, where the federal constitution says the federal government is in charge of this, intervening on what states can do with its own police forces that's a that would be problematic and i i think any conservative with a brain would have to look at that so i think it would even survive the supreme court there may be a couple people up there that are ideological uh, and and the rest but i think there are others on there that would say well that'll be used against us next time mm. they're, they're that they're smart enough for that so i don't think that's going to be an issue I'm going to give out the phone numbers one last time because we're getting in towards the top of the hour here. If you want to join the discussion, we are discussing Measure K um, and and the recent victory. The phone number is 826-4805 or 800-640-5911. That's 826-4805 or 800-640-5911. Or if you want to text a message to be read over the air, it's 492-KHSU. That should be easy to remember. So... Anyway, uh, we're, as we are getting to the top, why don't we talk about, you know, what this means in terms of the future? And that, you know, it never stops. This isn't, didn't fix all, a lot of stuff. We, we have a lot of stuff, a lot of problems locally and nationally and statewide. Um, but what, how can we build on this? Well, um, as, as far as our sanctuary initiative, we do have to now think about its enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, because the Board of Supervisors and the Human Rights Commission um, as institutions did not support this um, in, its, in its entirety, and I won't get into the minutia, but it was very disappointing. I, I cannot hide my disappointment. And, um, and so I think that at this point, we just need to be vigilant, make sure that the various provisions of our sanctuary law are respected. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of our jobs, particularly Centro del Pueblo, is to um, have meetings. We've already started doing that, doing presentations, having community meetings, and um, letting our community know, you know, what the sanctuary law says and what it will do and um you know people in our community are very sophisticated they understand that the sanctuary law does not keep ice out altogether we can't do that unfortunately but um you know people do understand that now they have a right to not be asked by county um officials um anything regarding their immigration status and they know that uh, people cannot be reported to ICE um, using county resources. So, mm -hmm. so, so that is a positive thing. So we have to continue, you know, getting the word out, getting people involved as far as what they think um, the next step should be. In in the uh, Indigenous Latinx community specifically, 
you know, there are numerous issues that people are worried about. Uh, racism within the public schools is one, yeah. and that is one thing that we have in common with our brothers and sisters from the local sovereign nations. Mm-hmm. Indigenous people, um, if you are black and, or brown in um, Humboldt County public schools, you're more likely to be disciplined. Um, you're more likely to be treated differently by school officials and teachers. Uh, you're more likely to be criminalized. We've heard stories, right, about um, black and brown boys in particular um, having law enforcement called in because um, teachers feared uh, them. So um, there's work in that area. There's uh, work to be done in the area of Uh, worker exploitation, as people know. Um, Our folks uh, work in in the farms. They work uh, with the cows, the dairy farms, with the flowers, in the service industry, um, housekeepers. um, And, of course, healthcare. (laughs) And and so so I think that, you know, in, in Humble, we have to create something where workers are able to organize and empower mm-hmm. themselves to um, to create new rules of engagement with with employers. So there's there's a lot to be done. And as I said earlier, what's exciting is that we've created deeper relationships mm-hmm. um, with various organizations and Humboldt doing you know good progressive work, including yourself, Eric. And um, and we have created more trusting relationships with the local sovereign nations. And um, I think that Central del Pueblo, anyway, we are moving forward um, uh, with folks to work on our rights as indigenous people. And um, and I'm very, very excited um, to see what's to come. We learned a lot in this campaign. You know, we, we, we learned a lot about what it takes to pass an initiative on the ballot and um, sorry to interrupt but I want to get one last caller wants to uh, say something really quick it's going to have to be Uh, hello you're on the air hi um, my name is Catherine I just have two quick comments one um, the thing I hear a lot about there's so much um, poverty say you know even in LA or wherever um, and so how can we bring more people um, in to you know, it, it welcome more people when we don't even have the folks, you know, here cared for. And then also, um, I do know some folks with recent uh, who, who, who brought their families over and gone through the whole process, the lengthy process. And sometimes it's immig- uh, recent immigrants who um, are the most uh, 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 against other people coming in more easily. And I just wonder how you, how you address those two concerns. All right, boy, that's a lot in two minutes we're going to have to do. But I think, uh, Renee, maybe you can uh, address it. I mean, I, generally bringing people in is a beneficial to the economy usually. Mm-hmm. They usually come here yeah. because they Good for the economy, good for the yeah. community. <laughs> well, and, and also um, I, can, I can say that, you know, as long as um, elected officials in this country continue to scapegoat immigrants and continue to use them to scare others as far as um, a lack of resources and and crime and so on and so forth the less time we spend on getting to the getting to the real root of our problems yeah mm-hmm. getting to the real roots of why there is poverty in the richest country in the world 
why are people in Humboldt County not working livable wage jobs mm. when there are resources available to make that happen? What? Why aren't the? Why aren't resources being invested in training and education mm-hmm. and job placement versus? Um, you know, an excruciating level of money to promote war and violence, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah. So, I mean, we could go on and on, but we I could, think and people have to just, you know, be a little bit more critical as far as yeah. what is really happening in this country. And are you really going to blame people who have nothing? Yeah. For, you know, are you yeah. really going to blame uh, 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 people who have nothing versus? Uh, people who have too much. So, you know, just consider that. Try that on. Yeah, and that, as to the second question, you know, uh, why is it that 